From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services holding company organizing to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today, I'll be talking about the future of social technologies and media with Charlene Lee, one of the world-renowned experts on the topic. She is an independent thought leader on emerging technologies and co-author of the business bestseller, Groundswell. Charlene is one of the most frequently quoted industry analysts. She has appeared on 60 Minutes, the McNeil News Hour, ABC News, CNN, and CNBC. Gee, and now market edge, Charlene. She is also frequently quoted by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, USA Today, Reuters, and AP. She is a much sought-after public speaker and has presented at top technology conferences such as Web 2.0 Expo and AdTech. Most recently, Charlene was VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester Research. She joined Forrester in 1999 after spending five years in online and newspaper publishing with the San Jose Mercury News and the Community Newspaper Company. Ad Age named her among the top women to watch in 2008. Charlene was also named by Now Public as one of the 50 most influential people in Silicon Valley. Charlene has a blog that discusses emerging technologies, interactive media, and marketing at Charlene Lee. That's C-H-A-R-L-E-N-E-L-I.com. She's a graduate of Harvard Business School. Charlene, welcome to Market Edge. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, first simple question. Tell our readers that haven't read your book um, that you co-authored with Josh Burnoff, Groundswell, and by the way, listeners, you should all run out to get it at your local bookstore or, or online, your favorite shop online. Tell us about Groundswell, what it covers, why you wrote it, uh, and are you surprised by the amount it's selling and the impact it's having? Yeah, sure. Um, we wrote the book because there was this great need in the marketplace for people to explain, to understand, and for us to explain what this whole phenomenon of social technologies was. There's a lot of buzzwords floating around, and frankly, a lot of businesses in particular didn't know what to do with it. So we wanted to lay it out in simple terms um, so that it could be explainable, people could understand it, not be afraid of it, but actually see how it could help their businesses and how it could impact their lives. And so we wrote it uh, with lots of data, lots of frameworks, so that businesses could understand it and thrive in the groundswell. And um, we hope that it would do well, um, and it's done surprisingly well. It's on the bestseller list. Uh, but I think the most gratifying moment for me is when somebody comes up to me with a dog-eared, heavily underlying copy of the book and said, this has really made an impact. That just hugely makes my day. Hey, where, where are we right now, do you think, in this sort of evolution of social media and social technologies? I mean, are we the slimy thing coming out of the water? Are we Cro-Magnum man? Uh, you know, uh, is this the first inning, the second inning? Uh, give us a little perspective on where we are and where we're headed. We're pretty far along. Uh, more than half of the people who are online are using these technologies in one form or another. Now, not everyone is blogging. Not everyone is on social networking sites. But in some way or form, half of us who are online are being touched 
by social technologies. We're reading blogs or we're benefiting from, from some other aspects like reading products and reviews, from, from the community being online, other people online. So we're connecting to them um, other than just through emails or, or through instant messaging. And I think, again, we're, sort of, we're still very much in the beginning, not so much in terms of um, the, the development of these technologies. They're pretty well developed. But I think it's, we're definitely in the beginning of businesses and organizations thinking about how they can leverage it, how they can use it in their everyday business practices. So that's really the, the game changer over the next maybe uh, three to five years is really businesses and even individuals starting to really shape their content and their market uh, presence, their new product innovation, all using some of these technologies. Right, and, and some of my current research now is, is looking at not only how they can sort of use these social technologies, but how these technologies are really having an impact in reshaping the way that businesses view and interact and have relationships with their customers, and even how organizations are organized, how they function as organizations. Because I think what changes, it, it changes people. Um, and when people are changed by these social technologies in terms of how they interact and how they relate to each other, then organizations are changed and fundamentally societies are changed. You know, for the first time uh, it's this year, I've finally, in some of the companies I've gone into, we've seen the title uh, VP of uh, Community, uh, Director of Content. Is is that the thing that you're starting to see our, and our marketers starting to reorg entire departments, not just titles? Yes, they are. They're, they're pulling out, for example, Dell has pulled out some corporate communications, PR marketing people into their social community outreach group because they realize that it's such a core and important group they need to have people focused on it. Um, but I think this is a temporary thing where you are, it's sort of like the interactive teams at companies. They, they sort of went off into the side woods in some ways and started doing these skunk works. I think that only lasts for a while because if you look at digital at marketing departments now, digital is it, the best practice in many ways is integrating it into all the areas that a, a marketing department functions in, and I think in that way also these social technologies are going to permeate every single aspect of an organization. Customer service will have a social dimension. Instead of being reactive, you're going to go out there and actively seek out when people are having problems, and they may just be expressing it in a blog or a discussion board. Uh, marketing will clearly change. Investor relations will probably have a social component, hard as it may be to believe. <laughs> um, e even human resources already are being touched by this in terms of the way people are hiring. You, you can't imagine not going into Facebook to talk to college recruits or to use LinkedIn for high-level recruitment. Well, you know, and even product development, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, it's almost like we're going into the era of the uh, – um, sorry for lack of a better description, but the open brand, Charlene, and where a company really is, in, is not in complete control of its brand or products or its relationships. It's sort of a, a mentor or a shaping of conversations, but that there are other constituencies that have a, a strong voice in shaping their brand in 2008, 2009, and beyond. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think what marketers are realizing now is that they aren't in control of brand of, of their own brands, and I would actually argue that they probably never were. They just had the fallacy or the appearance of control. So one of the ideas I'm working on is that the, the firewall as it exists 
that separates an inside of a company to the outside to the customer is starting to disappear, both from a technology point of view, but also from a mindset point of view. So instead of thinking of us and them, maybe there's a we. And yep. that changes how you market to somebody, how you develop products with them, how you support them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's it's funny, you know, a lot of CEOs say, well, why can't this move faster? Why can't CMOs get their arms around this more quickly? And I think it's ma- mainly because we have to change behavior after 75, 80 years of a broadcast or what I might call the intrusion era uh, of messaging and, and advertising and marketing to the sort of that we mentality, Charlene. Right. And if you think about Marketing really didn't exist as a discipline because we didn't have these tools. And now these tools are being rendered, in some ways, less effective because of new tools, basically social technologies, that really emulate what true relationships look like. Uh, One of my favorite videos that I show is something called The Breakup from Microsoft that showed a couple sitting down at dinner with an advertiser talking to a consumer. And the advertiser is trying to push, you know, billboards and messages and coupons. And the consumer goes, I thought this was a relationship. You know, and frankly, (laughs) you're not listening to me, so I want a divorce. And and that's what marketers are facing today. Um, And if they really approach the consumers as a relationship, one that they want to develop for the long term, becoming intimate and passionate with that consumer, that requires a totally different set of skills. It still fundamentally confounds me, though, Charlene, that in 2008 we're still going to spend a record $165 billion on television ads, which anybody's best guess, a third of it's DVR'd. My teenage kids, I don't think, have seen an ad in three years. And to keep holding on to that, when do you think that'll finally break down? When will sort of this Berlin Wall mentality of one-way discussion end? I think as long as there are agencies pushing it because their revenues depend on it, it's going to go on for a while. And it's going to take the marketers with discipline to say, really, I don't want to do this anymore. In fact, if you as an agency will not abide by what I need as a client, I'm going to go find someone else. So I think it's going to take some very bold, different thinking agencies that have a different business model who are willing to do this, where they aren't going to be fed by the creative um, paycheck as it is from the TV industry. But it's, it's a wheel that just keeps turning because of the way that it's structured. It's, it's going to take a while because it's institutionalized now within the marketing industry. It's funny. I'm looking at M- M- MSNBC while we're uh, talking. This isn't a plug for them, by the way, but it says General Motors decides to walk away from the Super Bowl, and it looks like it's a permanent decision that they feel it's a waste of money. Um, fairly interesting that a company of that size and somebody that has used the Super Bowl for so many years would walk away from that. Well, they're realizing that the decision process, especially for cars, a lot of it's done online. So you, uh, car companies have been at the forefront of this and moving budgets away from mass media, um, first into interactive and then off of interactive into search, other areas, and, and especially into social marketing now social media marketing because they realize that people's influences, what they, the information sources that they go to, um, are further along in that funnel. And marketing has always been a blunt sword. It's always been focused at the awareness because there was no way to reach into what I call the black hole of consideration. But now there are actually ways to do that. And I think the most talented marketers are out there uh, really experimenting and seeing which are the levers they can pull to pull those influencers out 
and to get them to talk about the products because those are the people that consumers are listening to. You mentioned some of your current research work in around uh, the disappearing firewall, uh, sort of redoing the org chart. Uh, are there any other research topics you're working on that you'd like to share with the audience before we go to our break? Yeah, I, I think the key thing is um, it is also around just what does this world look like um, in the future. And uh, in particular, I think about the, the, the world where social networks are going to be like air, where this is not going to be something that you go to a place like Facebook or MySpace to be connected with people, but your social network will be anywhere and anywhere you want it to be um, and with full control and privacy of what you want to, to share with that network. And that's, I mean, that's going to be such valuable content for companies moving forward to really realize, you know, what it's going to take to keep a brand dialogue going. Right. And if so many advertisers come to me and say, well, do people really want to have a dialogue around my brand and my products? And they're not confident about that. And I go, of course, I really do want to hear from my brand. I don't want to be so to all the yeah. time, but I do want to have a relationship with my favorite brands. It's so funny because, um, you know, if you've been a business, you know, for decades, you're probably pretty good at what you do, and you probably know quite a bit about what you do. So why not share that? Why not capitalize on that? And it would only make you better. So, right. um, well, we'll see in the next 15 minutes, you know, where this is all going to uh, shake out. Uh, we're talking with Charlene Lee, one of uh, the world's thought leaders on social media marketing and technologies, and the co-author of the wildly best-selling Groundswell. I couldn't recommend the book more to you listeners. We're going to take a short break right now, but we'll be right back with Charlene Lee. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Susan, you're still responsible for digital marketing programs, right? Right. So your team is responsible for email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign optimization, and scheduling? Your point? Why are you so relaxed? My team deals with five different solutions, tech support teams, and just as many invoices, and it's making us mental. What is it? Aromatherapy? Acupuncture? Why are you so relaxed? You just have to simplify your tool set and unify your team. Lyris provides totally integrated email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign management, and calendaring functionality. It's all in one spot that provides a holistic view of all your team's efforts. And you get all of this functionality for $299 a month. So with Lyris, one company can do it all. I feel like I can cancel that acupuncture appointment already. To see how Lyris can simplify your life, visit Lyris.com or call 1-888-GO-LYRIS. Simplify, unify, and increase ROI with Lyris today. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. Their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. 
They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart. had been out there with the code of ethics. Been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Welcome to Webcology. I hate throwing out these numbers, eh, because you're just, uh, I think I just said A. Oh, I'm so Canadian. Um, <laughs> it's okay, I they love it for it. Live broadcast Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. We're on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. SEO 101 is now in session. Every Wednesday and Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Charlene Lee, one of the most famous and independent thought leaders on emerging technologies and social technologies and media, uh, and co-author of the wildly best-selling book, Groundswell. Hey, Charlene, you know, you had mentioned that a lot of the social technologies you covered and Groundswell and that your current research is looking at, that the technologies are pretty far along. Just to sort of seal that direction of questions, are there certain social technologies that really need further development that we're going to see, like maybe you know, social search uh, might comes to my mind. Maybe there's others you've thought about. Yeah, I'll tackle social search just quickly. Um, I, I think, again, the search area is has been, you know, very well developed with the Google PageRank, Yahoo, Microsoft, and that whole drama that was going on. Um, but I think search in many ways is broken because if you think about how many times you have to search for the same term to get to find your answer, it's, it still has a long way to go. Uh, it, and so I think there are three areas where search can develop. One is definitely around social and not necessarily around what your friends are looking for, but people like you who may be looking for certain things. Um, and that's based on your personal search history, what you have searched on compared to what other people have searched on. And the third area is semantic search, which is natural language search, where the search engine is, is understanding the meaning behind your terms and finding the right pages and turning them to you. And in and of itself, semantic search is social because language is social. So I think there's a lot, you're going to see, we're going to be seeing a lot of changes. And basically, those three types of searches, social, personal, and semantic search, have been basically waiting for the technology to catch up um, to the desires of what people want to do. And so over the next few years, we're going to see a lot of new innovations, um, especially by the top search leaders and some, some startups, too. Yeah. But I think um, you're good. Go on, go on. And so I think the other question was, you know, what area um, also needs to be developed? I think that the biggest area is something I alluded to before the break, which is this, this future where the social networks are like air. And one of the biggest problems for that right now is that if you have any type of social network, it's probably extremely fragmented. So you might be on MySpace with a set of friends, on LinkedIn with your professional friends, Facebook with friends from your neighborhood or, or work. Um, and then there's your social network, your implied social network, through your address book that's in your email. There's another one on your um, address Rolodex on your desk, another one on your cell phone. 
And so the social graph is really the people who you are connected to, not necessarily the people who you friend online. And I think one of the the key technologies that need to be uh, developed is how all these different social graphs, these social representations of your social graph, will start working together. Um, It's a thing called open social graph, open social, all these things. And the biggest challenge is all the incumbent players have to give up something to create this better world. Right, And it's hard. It's really hard for them to figure out how open they want to be. And that's only going to get more sophisticated. You know, it's interesting that I got all excited. Um, I mentioned this uh, to my listeners before. Going on uh, Amazon recently, they had sent me an email that I had recently bought a John Updike book and that there was going to be a Q&A video with John Updike and it would later be a, po- a video cast. So I went on, I watched it, I watched other videos, I wrote a review, and an hour and a half goes by. I buy a few books, So, but it was this sort of converging of, of, of experience, of entertainment, of education, of commerce, and, and it actually seemed to be fairly natural. So. Right, and, and very integrated. Now, imagine if thrown into that mix, into that whole experience, a social layer where you could also interact with friends of yours who are reading the same book, and you could interact and say, how did you like it, didn't like it, or even people who you didn't know but have the same sort of reading preferences as you do and could recommend other books because they enjoy the same type of books or have the same approach um, to reading and entertainment the way that you do. Yeah, could really enhance the experience even more so. That would be a great layer to add, and I'm sure it will happen soon. Hey, as long as we're talking about, uh, you know, sort of the social experience, tell us about your blog and your experiences blogging. Well, I've been blogging for four years um, as of this week, (laughs) so it's been a long journey. I started (laughs) blogging around search, and then as social media started evolving, uh, it was blogging about blogging, which is always a fun thing to do to create an audience. Um, I really enjoy it. I wish I had more time. I find it hard sometimes, frankly, to sit down and do it. But I was at an airport lounge last night and dashed off to to um, to post. So I, a friend of mine, Shell Israel, likes to say that I I binge blog, <laughs> so or binge Twitter, <laughs> as the case may be. Um, but that's that's really my style. What, but the thing about blogging, though, that I always find interesting is that it's not just the blogging, the writing on there. It's also about reading the comments and responding to them. It's going out to other places where the conversations are happening, people who are linking to me or people I link to, and seeing what the conversations are there and joining those two as well. So I think of blogging not as an activity, but more, more or less a mindset and in some ways a lifestyle because this is, this is the place where I live. It's not just on my blog, but it's with all these other people who are expressing themselves and having the ideas. It is my intellectual community. Hey, I, I notice you also blog for the Silicon Valley Moms blog. Has this made you a better mom, Charlene? I, well, I, I have to admit that I am not the most consistent mommy blogger. And, and again, <laughs> if I have barely a time to do my personal blog, so I have to do this one. But I love it. It's, it's a different side of me that sometimes shows itself in the professional realm. But I was just reading a, a, a blog post to my kids the other day where I accidentally poured milk into my peanut butter jar and had to rinse out the peanut butter, literally. <laughs> and um, just about the experiences like that, or when my daughter expresses tremendous empathy and appreciation for me in my situation where I forgot to put on my contact lenses, just little moments like that, and where I can imagine where she's a grown woman and kind of relationship we would have. It's a different side of me that I get expressed, and I love having that side of me, um, having a voice and a place to put it 
because it, it's not appropriate in my, my professional work blog, I think. I would, I would love to have the audience here uh, from Charlene Lee's Crystal Ball about the future of blogs. I mean, are they going to self-edit? Are they going to aggregate? Are they going to have some kind of advertising or, or marketing attached? Give us sort of your view of three, four, five years out in the blogosphere. Yeah, and, and, it, and I encourage your listeners to go and look at Technolati's latest State of the Blogosphere report they've been putting out for a couple of years now. And, and one interesting thing, there are like hundreds of millions of blogs, but only a little bit over a million, million of them that have been updated in the past seven days. And so I think there's a lot of people who have had blogs, started them, don't keep them up, and, and I think that's totally appropriate. And there were different forms of blogging now. There's something called micro-blogging in the form of Twitter, where it's only 140 characters, or status updates that people give. And I think those are all sort of forms of self-expression and blogging. So I don't think blogging has to take a certain form and format. Again, as I said before, I think it's a mindset of sharing with a community and audience that you care about. And it could be just the audience of your immediate family, or frankly, just even to yourself, to be your own personal journal. But it's that, that energy that you expend in expressing yourself, whether it be 140 characters or a long essay, that I think is so wonderful about this space. So the future going forward from a business perspective, though, is I think it's a great opportunity for companies to show a bit of themselves, to really develop this voice outside of the formal marketing voice, to say, let's let down the, the guard um, really show people who we're like. And you hear it from CMOs all the time. If my customers could really just see us for who we are, well, here's a wonderful tool at your disposal, basically for free, that you can do. And it's something I think that companies really need to think about and embrace, not the technology, but the mindset. Uh, well put. You know, we had early this year, we had the CEO of Brigham and Women's, Paul Levy, uh, it's a hospital in Boston that has over 12,000 employees. He's the only CEO of any major healthcare uh, company that blogs, and he blogs. His blog is called "Running a Hospital," mm-hmm. and it just has really changed the face of, of his whole group. He said it's amazing how much impact it's had. Yeah, he, he writes a wonderful blog. I've had a chance to talk with him briefly. The um, and again for a CEO of a health institution to do this. And it's not a pharmaceutical company, so there aren't all these adverse effect side, you know, issues that they have to worry about. But imagine you're sitting there trying to choose which hospital to go to. You have a choice. And you see the, the human face, the person who runs and leads that organization, talking about how much care he puts into running the organization, thinking about it, his approach to hospital administration. And that's going to make a difference. It's going to make a huge difference, not only for the patient, but also for his team. All those 12,000 people who are thinking about, well, what is the CEO thinking? Well, you can see it. There's no doubt what he's thinking. It's very clear to everybody what he wants to see in his vision. As long as we're finishing up on some sort of the social technologies, you know, a lot of discussions around this next phase of the web being highly visual, rich media, broadband, you know, um, do you think everybody's being a little overly optimistic about text sort of disappearing and, and you know, the, the, the visual expression taking over, or do you think it really is going to happen fast? I, I think it is going to happen fast because, frankly, people don't like to write. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, people just don't fundamentally like to write, which is why I think blogs have limited appeal versus you go and look at YouTube 
and how many people are watching the videos and, more importantly, putting up video responses or putting up their own videos. And it could just be, you know, their pets doing funny tricks. But, again, that's a form of expression. It's so easy to do now. Um, and so I think fundamentally people don't like to write, but it doesn't mean that text goes away. There are wonderful forms of expression in video and audio and text and graphics. If you look at um, Facebook applications like graffiti where people are expressing themselves with these free-form art that they're sending to each other and sharing, um, all, all of these count. Other, ones, other people express themselves in code, and so there's this code being swapped back and forth. Um, and, and advice, reviews, just star ratings. There's lots of different ways for, for people to participate. My kids were belly aching the other weekend over this comedian Dane Cook and his little drawings on YouTube, along with his jokes. So you know, to your point about a lot of different ways to express yourself is is we're living it right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, um, if you were a venture capitalist, Charlene. Uh, which I'm, I'm hoping you never will become. But anyway, we do have a lot of VCs listen to us. You know, what advice would you give them about investing in the next generation of social technology and social media? Well, I'm actually married to a venture capitalist, so I know a little <laughs> bit about the space. I live it every day in the evenings with them. Um, I, I see a lot, and again, I see a lot of startups too, and I kind of scratch my head saying, how did you get VC funding? Um, one of the things I see is that there are a lot of imitations, copycats out there, variations on a theme. And, and frankly, I only see one or two new technologies a year that are truly breakthrough on the order of Google. So if you're looking for the Google, you know, it's, it's going to be really tough to find those uh, because the, the, the very top VCs are going to probably get access to those and be able to snatch those up. So what does that leave, the vast majority and thousands of VC firms? I think, again, it's, it's these, especially in social technology spaces, people who are going to be very fast, very nimble, and are completely focused on audience needs, not on the technology. I think the worst thing you could do is investing in a technology chasing for an audience. And right. I see lots and lots of those. Um, this space is too fluid for any technology to last for very long. And so what you're betting on is, is the management team's ability to understand a market need and to meet it very quickly. And my other piece of advice is to put in as little money as possible because the exits that I can see primarily in the marketplace are acquisitions, and the acquiring companies do not want to pay very much for these companies. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because it's more and more it's not about really even revenue or EBITDA. It's that it's that opportunity to meet a need that a larger company says, yep, that makes sense, and we, they snap it up. Right, right. Hey, you know, you worked for Forrester for a long time. You know, um, you know what do you think of that model and, and sort of, you know, their leadership position right now, and, and where do you think the whole analyst relations kind of thing is going? Um, you know, Forrester was a great place to work for me. It, I stayed there for nine and a half years, so there's got to be something great about that place. It, it is an absolutely magical place to work. Um, that said, I think the analyst model is under pressure, uh, primarily because syndicated research is this, this report that sits there and is, 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 is static in time. So I wrote a piece about blogging four years ago, and people still reference it, and, and I'm terribly embarrassed by that because you know, there's better stuff that's out there. 
and I would love to see reports where um, in, in the information that's coming out of the research industry to be much more open, to be much more community-driven, um, and to be uh, more collaborative, frankly. I, I know the, the things that I learned from Forrester from being there was, first of all, to have this incredible rigor in, the, in discipline and creating the frameworks and, and looking and finding the best research that was out there. That said, I also learned the value of collaboration, not only with my other research and analyst colleagues, but also with the community that's out there. Because of the brand that Forrester brought, it was, a, it was a neutral party and respected party, an objective voice to be able to bring people together so that we feel all comfortable collaborating together. Hey, you know, our time's gone very fast, and I often like to end with... Uh, a question where it doesn't have to have anything to do with uh, my guest's business, Charlene. Uh, but have you stumbled upon any cool site that you know that you just think is, you know, new, novel, uh, great that you'd want to share with uh, our audience? We've had people way back introduce us to, you know, Twitter and stumble upon and, you know, TripAdvisor, etc. Anything come to mind, Charlene Lee? Yeah, um, my new favorite site slash service is Evernote. Um, I am a OneNote fanatic. I take tons of notes electronically. I clip things and stuff. And OneNote from Microsoft served that purpose for the longest time. And then I came across Evernote um, just a few weeks ago. And it, it makes it really easy to clip things from the Internet. I can access it from my phone. Everything is synced together. So, and, and I think it's, again, this, this sort of my information anywhere I want. Um, I can... I can call into it. I can take pictures. It'll OCR text for me, sort of, um, most of the time. Um, I, I just—it's one of those applications that I have open on my desktop all the time. Charlene Lee, thought leader on social media, marketing, technology, other things. Just uh, co-author of the best-selling Groundswell. Keep doing what you're doing. You're helping change the world. And thanks for being on Market Edge. Thank you for having me. Uh, and thanks, everyone, in the audience for listening to today's Market Edge conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time in the United States to webmasterradio.fm. This is Larry Weber, your host. Bye-bye. <laughs>